uh, I'll read that. From Comrade Taxi, this is a good one. Uh, they ask, really want to hear the host discuss co-optation of radical movements into electoral politics or nonprofits. Maybe this veers slightly off the parapolitics that is the focus of the show. Eh, not so fast. But for every Tom Mosher out there sabotaging organizations with violence and entrapment, it seems like there's a new opening at a local, quote, social justice nonprofit that scoops activists out of real left-wing orgs and into a Ford Foundation-funded position. In the city I live in, there is such a nonprofit that has recuperated the energy and key people of every movement surge from anti-war protests and Occupy Wall Street to more recent uprisings and put them to work sending emails and writing grants. Give me the SJ take on all this. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed right. this so much, and I think that this oh, really yeah. is. I've thought about this often, and I really think this is a, a an incredibly like insidious thing, a, a ubiquitous and insidious thing, mm -hmm. because it's very you know effective because it's like a it's very easy for you know these organizations to do this because like you gotta eat, <laughs> you know, you like eat. you gotta eat. So and you can't just like I don't think the DSA pays that well, but I wouldn't exempt them from this too. Is like uh, one of these groups, even though they're quote unquote. Well, you know, they said into electoral politics or nonprofits, but yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the DSA in a second. But these orgs that do get funding, yeah, like I I've never I've never worked for one of these, but I guess I know people who who like have and have had similar critiques. I think we talked to the Trillbillies before about their kind of like eye-opening experience working for the, like they sort of got into that when they were younger, like right out of college and sort of noticed over time, oh, this serves like a function in the larger kind of scheme of things. And I think it's only gotten bigger with the kind of social justice. I mean, it really reached like a zenith, I feel like in 2020, where you had you had the DSA and the Heck and Bernie campaign that were gonna kick open that door so we could walk right through it and and change everything and all of the like attendant kind of orgs and I don't know if Jacobin's a nonprofit but it might be actually and other little groups kind of pop you had environmental groups you had uh, Extinction Rebellion around that time which was being I think funded by one of the Gettys. Ariadna, I think, and RFK Jr.'s sister. God, I'm, I'm forgetting the other. Oh, and like uh, Trevor Nielsen, who was like a Bill Gates Foundation protege who founded like a threat analysis company on Wall Street with a bunch of CIA veterans. And they were, you know, funding this very performative, you know, shut down traffic kind of thing. I actually saw one of those happen in Berlin when I was there. When I was like walking through the city at rush hour one morning, I came upon one of the big intersections in like east berlin and there were all these like environmentalists like sitting blocking all of the traffic and there were like cops there but they weren't arresting them because i guess i don't know if they have like the right to do that but it, it caused like a heat i guess that happens like a lot there it's like very big like they love all that like green party shit but in general i don't like and then also like black lives matter going from kind of a constellation of these different more local groups then in 2020 becoming like this national org that raised so much cash after george floyd right mm-hmm and like, where did it go? <laughs> like, I mean, I think that this has been kind mm -hmm. of adjudicated a little bit or exposed and like, 
you know, the founders like bought, you know, multi-million dollar houses in the Hollywood Hills and blah, blah, blah. That's usually the thing when there's like an influencer at the top of like one of these NGOs that, you know, it becomes kind of a jobs program for people who maybe otherwise would engage in something a little more like either local and immediate or maybe more radical. And it's like, okay, well, come work for this. It purports to align with your progressive values and, you know, seeking change in the world and blah, blah, blah. And maybe in some cases, some orgs do some work that kind of helps something, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we all can see, if we like zoom out just a little bit, that like organizations like the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Endowment, or, you know, the Tides Foundation, or all of the, the Soros groups, which everyone, you know, every, oh, shut the, you think everything is Soros? But, like, that dude does dump, like, a dump truck full of money on, like, the institutional liberal left. Like, and that ends up funding NGOs and various, you know, campaigns and grants and all these other things. And I think we've always said it, but, like, why would you expect, like, a silk topper to fund an org that is, like, going to overthrow his, like, class position or, or even just threaten his interests? Like, yeah. they're probably not going to do that. They're going to use this organization. Maybe it's going to be some kind of complicated guilt-washing thing where they get to feel like they're a good person because they've been going to an ayahuasca that's shaman. That's really what them, it is, like, know? a lot of the time, I think. I think that's that, for, like... The people who gave, like, you know, $90 million to the Black Lives Matter Foundation, like, it's because they're like, oh, I can't go to, like, you know, overthrow the government and, like, establish, like, you know, a more equitable society because I have to, like, put food on my table. I have to go to my, like, back-breaking job. But I can give a little bit of the money that I made to the Black Lives Matter Foundation. <laughs> And that will, and, and then that goes to like, I don't know, someone for like consulting and they like, buy, yeah, buy a house in the Hollywood Hills. It's almost a system of in secular indulgences, practically, of like, you can pay your way into like liberal heaven by like giving your, giving your, it's you know, really like, like lib, it's lib zakat. It's exactly what it yeah, is. Like it really, like, yeah, yeah. Like, cause it's true. Like, you know, you really hope that like you're, and like, I, I don't know if they give as much as like we give in zakat. But like you hope that it's going to make a difference, but you know you often just see things worsening, and the idea is that yeah, this is going to at least like you know purify you. And I obviously I believe like zakat is a good institution, but you know I don't think that it can like entirely replace like it doesn't stand on its own. You know, there's obviously other obligations that we have as Muslims. So, um, sure, sure. you know, yeah. yeah. But I, I think you know, and I think it goes even deeper, like this is a big problem that we have to deal with right now. Cause I think comrade taxi does a valuable service to point out kind of a difference between like the Tom Mosher approach. Cause I think even we've been attacked before when like, we kind of like speculate on, you know, calling somebody sus or something like, you know, and I think sometimes there's like a misunderstanding sometimes willful, but sometimes not of that. Like if we say somebody sus, like we're saying they're like Tom Mosher, that like, mm -hmm. oh, there's like a very discreet list of things that like a provocateur will do, which is like, hey guys, like maybe we just go bomb something, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And like that definitely, that that still happens like within different groups and stuff like that. But I don't think they're, especially with these kind of more nonprofit leftists or 
let's just use the DSA for an example. I don't think like the feds or the ruling class is going to be like, oh, we need to send a Tom Mosher into the DSA to get them to like blow up like a bank or something or like a, like a police station so that then we can like send the FBI after them. Like, well, first of all, like the DSA is not nearly even like threatening enough or or radical enough. Like, they're they're not even. It would be like, why even bother? So I think what is more likely is that you can use kind of like sophisticated influence strategies and also like structural things like getting certain groups like affiliated with certain NGOs or getting funded by certain NGOs that you just know by the nature of developing that relationship is going to like blunt their critique in certain areas, right? You know, mm -hmm. somebody getting money from the Open Society Foundation is probably not going to talk shit about the Open Society Foundation. Exactly, right? yeah. Simple as that. And also like foster, I think what they also have done over a longer period of time is kind of foster a culture and a mentality for this type of worker that is useful to their ultimate aims, which is to say, getting this worker to feel like they are part of the solution and they are like fighting to make a world a better place and their work does matter and assuaging any potential cognitive dissonance that could pop up or at least managing it. And then I think that thing kind of, that trickles down through academic institutions. So people get kind of socialized into being this kind of like movement leftist professional type mm -hmm. person that you see all over like social media. Like it's very much a type now of a kind of like a professional activist adjacent like movement work person. And you can make, you know, probably... I mean, I feel like the ultimate case study in this but... is like AOC. Like, if you like, just watch a video of uh -huh. AOC like addressing young people's anger uh, about Gaza, and then you'll see like the ultimate portrait of like the movement lib. I that's think, where you yeah, know, that's like, actually where I want to focus the, this electoral politics aspect because we have a great case study in AOC and the last five years of the you know the Democratic Socialists of America, which is now. I think, like I said earlier in the app, like was just roasted, I think, a day or two ago for like one of its, uh, you know, it has two people on the L.A. City Council now, which I guess isn't nothing. But, you know, one of them, Nithya Raman, decided that uh, I guess she was going to seek. She sought the endorsement of a, of a certain like Zionist group in Los Angeles and is like low key down. And then like the DSA is like not demanding that she i don't even know how their processes work i was never i i never had the desire to join even when they got very big and no. i feel vindicated <laughs> in that like looking back on it now like i really i don't think i missed too much because i you know i was on twitter so i got to see half of it anyways right and like i almost feel like i was there but i think just it's imagine like, maybe like i i'll admit i've never been to a dsa meeting imagine what a dsa meeting is like i'm sure some in of our year? listeners know i'm sure they've They've um, changed in different ways. And, and I'm also an Occupy veteran. True. You know, like some other DSA bigwigs. I actually saw a video. And basically somebody, like a, a who's who of like the right wing, you know, as well. Like, Oh, a future, um, yeah, a future yeah. Like, like Occupy celebrities and also like NATO. Literally everyone. Like, like Tim yeah. Pool. Yeah. Molly Crabapple. Yeah, but I saw like the Daily Show was like rising up the DSA back in like 2012 and had this like Occupy video footage of them and like. They were so moribund, though. Like, they were not relevant at all. And then they blew up. 
they got a lot of money and a lot of, uh, you know, members. I forget how much you had to pay to join, but I remember balking at it, being like, oh, fuck that. Like, it was, it was like not... You could tell that it was going to have a certain type of class composition, let's put it that way, by the amount of dues they were charging for their party. And I guess there are other parties that charge shockingly high dues as well in a way that I think is kind of like not cool. But I, I feel like it was like over $100 like for a year or something Damn. like that. And then like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And maybe you get a free copy of Jacobin. You uh, know, if you're low income, it. you can join for $5 a month. Okay. All right. Well. At least there's that sliding scale. But I don't know. Like, just looking back, it feels like there hasn't been enough, like, reflection about that whole period of the Bernie insurgency and then the DSA becoming, like, this vessel for, like, the new millennial, you know, socialist left kind of thing. And then AOC getting elected and a few other of these squad people but really, she was the most identified with the DSA. Like, I mean, they mm-hmm. all, everybody in that milieu boosted the shit out of her, even if they act today like they always thought she was lame and cringe. They were all at her, like, election party. I remember that. You know, and uh, really it was like, yeah, one of ours got in. And, you know, I always I remember being like, okay, AOC, like, let's let's see. Like, I, I, I have no idea where this girl came from. Uh, I remember being told you know reading multiple articles about how she was just like a humble like bartender you know like scraping by in new york and she was born de bronx and like you know she was like uh, like all this i'm kind on of the shit. official like, dsa website right now and it's their platform they you know they, they lay it out strong labor movement medicare for all a green new deal socialists in office and under the socialists in office section they have um you've heard of bernie and aoc but did you know there are dozens of DSA members running for office right now? It's like, oh, wow, how inspiring. Another Bernie, another AOC. Let's get them. Yeah, smashing success with both yeah. of them, right? I mean, people will say, like, negative things about them, but I feel like it's not being incorporated into, like, a broader theory about, like, where maybe one should stand today in 2024 or, like, reckoning with how, like, you could kind of see it getting co-opted, not or to an extent. Who even knows about... Bernie's sudden kind of urge it, it does kind of feel like it was an accident when it first happened like they the, like kind of just nobody was like paying attention and it just sort of I don't even think like Bernie expected it but like the fact there was just like another guy like running against Hillary who was like talking shit about rich people and like you know calling out the neo-libs and whatever the fact that that resonated with a lot of people they didn't quite see it coming but I feel like by 2020 like it had been contained and recuperated and massaged into something that was like more compatible and then it was still like tossed out and betrayed like and dispensed with like at the earliest opportunity and uh sort of rat fucked but then you know it begs the question of like okay where are all these people that were so excited all the millennials that were so pumped and the little zoomers that you know could believe are we all going to become nihilistic you know black metal listeners now like like you know what i mean i mean metaphysically like spiritually like i don't like the idea that it's like well we're just fucked so there's like be normal and like grill or whatever the fuck like you know or something like and then talk about the simpsons like <laughs> um you know what i mean like yeah like and just like and talk about or like write entire books about how i always knew it was gonna fail but like now i'm a millionaire <laughs> like, yeah like i don't know it's just mm-hmm. weird it's very 
And it feels like that is another Groundhog Day thing that we're stuck in that surprisingly a lot of people I feel like are desperate to like can't like walk away from or like move on from. Like we're stuck in a loop of like the post-Bernie trauma. Uh, like it's fucking March 2020 forever. And like people are just like dissociated and they're probably going to what? Vote for Biden again? Those types of people that it's are still stuck It's just really in like... It's just Arm really reduction. fucking sad. Wasn't there another the thing where, like, the DSA, like, stood with, with Israel on some other kind of issue recently? People will be quick to tell you that actually it's a decentralized org, so there's, like, actually a lot right. of, like, really mm-hmm. big... I mean, I, there are some are better than others. I'll put it that way. Like, some are definitely better than others. I think, overall, I'm not sure that, like, this kind of weird post-trot supported the Vietnam War-ass, quote-unquote, socialist party was, like, worth salvaging in the first place. But I guess it served a purpose for a certain moment of a certain type of like center left. Cause I think that's what they are at the end of the day also. And like all these NGOs, all this stuff is like a kind of center left. I don't know, like bratty sub critique of the uh, democratic party. And at the end of the day, they have, they can't walk away from the, de- that's the weird thing is like they can't be like, like literally fuck, like with your full voice, fuck Bernie Sanders, fuck AOC. Fuck the Democratic Party. Also not going to become a Republican. Again, we're in the Coke and Pepsi kind of dialectic as well, where some of these people couldn't handle, like, the the collapse of the Bernie moment, and they became, like, dissident, like, dirtbag right-wingers, you know, and just, like, veered off into, like, a weird fascist, like, BAP direction. And then other people are just stuck, like, pretending that, what? Like, there's no momentum behind whatever that was, so then, I don't know, what comes next? I'm not saying I have, like, the answer of, like, what ought to come next. But I feel like also having, like, a hyper-ironic remove, which is something that, I don't know, like, there's a lot of earnestness in, like, NGO politics, right? And in, like, activist groups, right? And then there's, like, some that have adopted this more, like, ironic posture. And I'm not saying that the earnestness is necessarily, like, that, we almost OD'd on it a little bit, I think, by, like, 2020. Well, I think the, 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 that, like, you know, but, there's particular leaders in mind who now have all, like, made their riches for the rest of their lives, and they don't need to do that anymore, which I think is a dynamic that's being described here, you know? It's, like, all well and good to be, like, a radical until, like, someone comes to you with, like, an open checkbook and is like, okay, how much do you want to, like, shut up? Yeah. yeah, and if you keep doing like this, then, like, you're gonna, then, like, that's it. Then, like, you missed your train to, like, a stable life. Like, in many ways, it's true. I think this is definitely true. You mentioned academia before. I think it's true in academia. Like, academia, uh, there's a there's a phrase that they want uh, pets, not threats. And, I mean, this is, like, a... That's a, a huge a, problem, I think, in American culture right now is the, the, like, the degree to which we've, like, all let ourselves kind of get, like, cucked by like institutions that employ us and like basically provide our your way to survive basically i've noticed it in kind of the culture of like tech companies and stuff that adopt this very like positive like culty like way of speaking and vibe like i i noticed that when i worked in the apple store years ago it's like they kind of give you like weird maoist like training about like how to communicate with each other and stuff and you do these things like you go along with things generally people will go along with these things like not rock the boat and not get fired and lose their livelihood and then you know it's just natural that people are going to like kind of acclimate themselves and i think it even is the case if you're getting funded by like 
say like an audience and i don't know like maybe it's just like the the pressure of like the audience like wants its slop served a specific way and like as long as they're like they're paying you for that like you can't like it's it's risky to change it i don't yeah. know i mean it could like be a I'm, fear of that i mean like i'm an academia you know i just finished my phd and like i'm like well you know let me see if i can get this book out you know let me uh so maybe I could do a postdoc to have some more time to really polish my manuscript. So I'm like, like, hey, let's see, you know, who's funding postdocs? You know, how can, you know, what postdocs can I get? And it's like, all right, going on the list, like, all right, talk shit about them for three hours. Talk shit about them for three hours. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it's just, yeah, like, it's a, it's like a rough situation, you know. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.